The Four Horsemen. What you have here is the Four Horsemen, united, live and exciting color. Um, not those Four Horsemen. These Four Horsemen discuss theology from different viewpoints, different perspectives, as we show people how to have discussions without turning into a keyboard warrior. Are you stupid? Now, here's the Four Horsemen. All right, welcome back, friends and viewers and fans and another episode Michael. of the four horsemen podcast i'm joined this is Derek mccarson i'm joined by adam black and ben kerfman and ray brickhouse actually this is part two from last week or the continuation the sequel from last week um from last week's discussion we talked about tithing didn't we and um, the offering, and that led into um, how so much of our church experience now is turned to digital. And the question was posed at the end of last episode about uh, how much of the church experience that's online now through streaming and whatnot, how much of that is actual church. So as you know, COVID has thoroughly changed the landscape of so many different aspects of our lives, um, church included. And maybe your congregation is like mine. Um, with COVID came the implementation of streaming service. We had kind of an infancy version of that, which basically um, an iPad on a tripod in the back of the room that, that live streamed the service and, you know, two people watched it. But, you know, when we had those months where we were shut down in 2020 and later on, um, all of a sudden, we had to get the, the message out to the people. Um, and so we used Facebook to do that. You may have used another online platform. But through that, streaming services became huge. And now it's a, it's a mainstay for most churches, no matter what size you are, because um, a lot of that technology is available and it's pretty easy to set up and affordable. Uh, this is a blessing and a curse because um, online has the potential to reach more people than before. And I know I can attest in my congregation, we've actually reached new people, unchurched people, and we've had people come and visit and even join the church because uh, they've started watching online. So that's a blessing, but it's also a curse in that um, a lot of church members have opted for the streaming service instead of the in-person worship. In fact, um, just before we came online here today, good old Ben Heisey sent us an article um, from Tom Rainer's website. Uh, you may want to check it out. The um, article's title is Five Reasons for Your Current Five reasons your current church attendance is new, the new normal. Um, I won't read the whole article, but just go over some of these bullet points, and you guys can interject any thoughts here you might have. Number one, the habit of church attendance has been broken. Gathering with fellow believers is a spiritual discipline, not that different from prayer or reading the Bible. And once you get out of that habit, it's difficult to return. We all agree with that. Number two, if someone has not returned by this point, they are not likely to return. Number three, many who say they are now digital attendees have really dropped out. 
Number four, if someone was not connected in a small group, they are likely not returning. And then number five, many of the dropouts were already on the fringes. I think all of us will pretty much agree with the highlights of that article. Um, maybe we can post that in our comments section. Somebody can do that and um, link you to that if you want to go read the whole article. But I think that what COVID and the fallout of all that has done is it's it's been a revealer of the health or sickness of the church, which is what that article spoke to there. Those who were fringe Christians or the non-committed were finally given an excuse that they were looking for to just drop out completely, stay at home. Um, and I think in a lot of cases, churches realized that they weren't really as healthy as maybe they thought they were. They were kind of living under a fantasy or a facade of of what looked like a healthy church. But then when, it, when adversity hit, it really revealed the true um, anemic state of the church. So that brings us to the issue at hand today. How are we going to wrestle with the monster that we have created? And in a certain sense, we are Dr. Frankenstein. We've we've now created this monster um, through online streaming, a blessing and a curse. But we see now that what was once intended to be a, a temporary solution to a problem has now become the new norm for a lot of people. As I mentioned, they, they choose or they want the online rather than the in-person experience. Now, the foundation of this is there's two non-negotiables that we know from Scripture. Number one, location does not determine your ability to worship, right? Paul says that in Acts 17 very clearly. God does not dwell in temples made mm -hmm. with hands. Um, technically, you can have church at home. You can you can worship the Lord um, in a deer stand uh, in the wilderness or riding down the road or mowing your grass or, or whatever. Um, and then, the, but the second non-negotiable of that is that God expects the church body to be gathering together for corporate worship, Hebrews ten twenty-five. So we've got those two non-negotiables there, um, and the tension that exists today in our current situation. So let's open up the floor, guys. Um, the topic is how much of online church is actual church. So anybody that wants to jump in? Well, let, let me hit on this real quick, and, and we can kind of define some things. You said in your opening there mm -hmm. that church, I don't even like saying church attendance, church engagement um, is a spiritual discipline. Why do we believe that? I believe that. But why would we say that, that uh, church engagement, being a part of a local body of believers, um, is a spiritual discipline? Well, I would say because you have to be intentional about it. Okay. Right. Yeah. And and even church attendance, I know you don't like to use that word, but church right. involvement, um, it is a discipline because it doesn't come naturally to us. You you have to make time for it. You have to carve it out in your schedule. You have to make it a priority. Um, and, and we've all been in a place before where maybe we didn't even want feel like we wanted to go to church, <laughs> and but we went anyway. Um, so out of sheer obedience. So I think in terms of that, it is it is a discipline okay. because it doesn't come each, easily. We have to fight against the world, the flesh, and the devil um, to, to, to accomplish that. Right. 
I think since the inception of the church, we see uh, in Scripture that from the very beginning, gathering together, corporate worship, corporate prayer, all of those things was was from the beginning. And so Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47, where it's talking about kind of the beginning of the, the Christian church as we know it, um, they were gathering together, eating together, they were praying together, they were worshiping together, uh, they were even, you know, selling off their own things and, and giving to others who had needs, you know, caring for one another and all that stuff. We see engagement mm -hmm. from the very beginning. And then as you look further on and you see the the church itself, I guess, becoming a little bit more organized, you don't see anything different than that. You right. still see they're gathering together, worshiping together, praying together, eating together. Um, you, you don't see anywhere in Scripture where God talks about Christianity as being in isolation. Yeah. Lone it, Ranger Christianity. Right. Yeah, we, yeah, we don't see that. It's always a corporate thing. Now, we have personal discipleship, personal prayer. I mean, even Jesus himself said, hey, I'm going over here and I'm going to go pray, and he prayed by himself. So, yes, we see that, but that is the individual Christian within the church right. doing that, not the church as a whole. And I think that's why some people, and I've had people raise that up, mm. that the church attendance is not a spiritual discipline. Like you'll look at prayer, reading scripture, fasting, those type of things. But for whatever reason, they'll like, well, church, you know, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Well, yeah, you can be saved anywhere. But I've never seen a Christian apart from the church grow mm -hmm. in significant manner. I haven't seen it. So that's why I think because discipline uh, improves you. You grow through discipline. And so what to say that church uh, engagement, attendance, whatever, uh, doesn't grow you is just categorically right. wrong. So. I always love what Adrian Rogers said. Um, if you love Jesus, you'll love what Jesus loves, and Jesus loves his bride. He died for it. So... <laughs> Those who have that argument or that persuasion that I don't need church to be a good Christian um, just need to read their Bible and find out that they're dead wrong about that. You're not following Jesus. Right. Yeah. So the way I would answer that question of, you know, is it a spiritual discipline to, for attendance? I mean, yeah, I, strictly I wouldn't use uh, spiritual disciplines as a term because a lot of times what people mean by spiritual disciplines is the ordinary means of grace. But I think uh, w when you look at that, what you're saying, the ordinary means of grace, right? Um, prayer, singing songs, hymns, and spiritual songs together, uh, studying the word together, taking the Lord's supper together, uh, witnessing baptism and uh, being a part of baptism. All of those kind of things together. Are, are, are together. All of those things are, uh, the ordinary every Sunday type ways that God grows his people. They're ordinary means of grace. There's nothing miraculous about those in and of themselves, but it's over time. You know, well, how does a person become a mature Christian? Well, they participate in those things, and the more they participate, the more they grow as a Christian. But the question is, well, what is the setting in which those means of grace occur according to Scripture? And it is the, the corporate gathering. And so I would say, you know, what is the setting that God has instituted for people to to grow spiritually and to have those uh, ordinary means of grace? It is the church, not the building, but the gathered worship of the church. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the whole idea of, you know, well, I don't have to go to church in order to be a Christian. Well, 
Uh, that's true, but you do have to have the ordinary means of grace in order to be growing as a Christian, and those are at church. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to get those on Saturday night. You're not going to get that in your living room. You're not going to get it in the bass boat or the tree stand. And then the other people that want to pretend that they're more spiritual than everybody else in the church and say, you know, I can worship God in the bass boat. It's like, yeah, yeah, you could, but you won't. That's, <laughs> that's, that's not, that's yeah. not why. And, and what you're saying is, is, is I, I'm willing to interact with God on my terms. I'm not going to make any kind of sacrifices or inconveniences for that's him. That's what Yeah. That's a good mm-hmm. point. And, and so mm-hmm. th- that's, that's just a cop out is those kind of excuses is somebody saying, well, I just want to live my life and do what I want. And, uh, and God, God can meet me where I'm at. I'm not, I'm not going to where he's at because the word says that he's at, He's where the word is being preached, where people are worshiping together, where they're taking the Lord's Supper together, uh, where they're covenanted together in membership in a local church. That God says, if you want me, that's where you need to go to get me. I'm I don't have to come to you. Right. And and so that that would be the reason why I would say, you know, why is it important for a person to be in church? It's well, do you want to grow uh, in Christ or not? Right. Because God hasn't left you another option. That is the way that you do it. It's all very good. So let's move on and kind of go a little bit deeper into this. Um, so everybody here has the, everybody, everybody's church here does the online streaming. Mm-hmm. All right. Now I mentioned that it was, that it's a double-edged sword. It's blessing and curse. So let's talk about the blessing of it. What what positive benefits have you seen from that? Um, or um, ways that it may have helped you or uh, helped, helped your people? Anybody? Well, as Tom Rainer, he he's made the the comment multiple times that the new front door of your church is your website, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so so many people um, will you invite them to church, they're going to go to your website, mm-hmm. or they'll go and check out Facebook, and and I think that online thing will give them an idea of what they're coming into, you know, like do they handle snakes, you know, are they going to run the aisle, you know, that type of thing. So I I do think it gives people an idea of who we are. We've had people come to our church that are part of our church now who watched online initially. Mm -hmm. Um, So I definitely think that that has been a a bonus. And through the pandemic, you know, when you, the viewership, you have to dig into the Facebook viewership because it's only in three second bites. Um, But once we began to dig into the actual numbers and look at the hours and I don't know if you want to go down that that track, but when you dig into it to find out exactly how many people were watching or just a a, a good guesstimate, you know, we were anywhere from 90 to 100 people a Sunday, which at the time was That was during the shutdown, right? During the shutdown. So that was double what we were at that time. Mm -hmm. And that that wasn't just views because, like I said, the views is only a three-second bite. So what we would do is it would say total time, total time viewed. And so we would divide that number by the the total hour, the total length of the service to get mm-hmm. a pretty decent idea of, you know, I know that's not perfect, but that's what we do. So that was, that was the big pro for us. And even today, I mean, we've had people, you know, I've even told people, you know, invite them to church. I said, listen, check us out on Facebook mm-hmm. for, you know, right. and, and you'll see. So that's the pro for me. I think, uh, for us, a couple examples. Um, for one, like, like Adam said, I think Rainer's right. Uh, all of the members that we have that have joined in the last three years found us online. Mm-hmm. We didn't have any like walk-ins. Like mm-hmm. they looked at it at first. They listened to sermons. They wanted to see what the church was about, 
And then they made their decision, okay, we're going to go visit in person and see, you know, what the actual community of the church is like. Um, so that's been helpful. Um, I think one of the practical ways is it serves some of our homebound members. We have some homebound members that watch the service every Sunday and they have uh, health conditions even before COVID, you know, to where they uh, weren't able to attend. And uh, it's not unusual, like when I preach for me to get text messages from some older members that say, hey, you know, I really enjoyed the message today or that service really blessed me. And so that's I'm, I'm thankful that they can still have some connection there. Um, and hear the announcements in the church and things like that, and just be more aware of what's going on, even when they can't physically be there. So I think that that's definitely an advantage. That's probably the number one reason why we do it right now is for them as far as live streaming. And then the second is is for connecting people. You know, our our city here in Waynesville is projected to double in population over the next ten years. So a lot of people are moving here, and they're finding we have several members right now who. Uh, picked us as a church before they even moved to the area because they were looking for churches. And so if that stuff wouldn't have been available, that that would have uh, impacted their decision. In fact, um, we just had a missionary couple that just came off the mission field after eight years um, and relocated here Friday and was at church on Sunday. Um, but they had emailed us over a year ago and had been watching services overseas mm. and had made the decision that this is the church where they wanted to get plugged in and, and be using their gifts. And so uh, that's that's a great blessing because this is a solid, mature, older couple of believers. Yeah. That's a real blessing uh, to a predominantly younger church. It's uh, we've been praying for people like that, and so the Lord used that uh, those online services to connect us with like-minded believers, which has uh, definitely been a blessing. So I would say that would be the, the top two for us: is one just uh, helping connect us with people that are moving to the area and they're looking for a church. And then also for our homebound members, just being able to help keep them more connected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say um, I was at a different church when the pandemic hit. It was before I moved here. Um, but I was at a church where it was already being live streamed. It was already being, uh, you know, put out there every week. You could watch it online one of the things that I think that most churches have seen, though, is the viewership. You, you didn't have near as many people watching online before the pandemic mm-hmm. as you did once the pandemic hit, of course. But once the pandemic hit, we noticed that there was a a huge push of people that were there, but it trickled off. Mm-hmm. I mean, it didn't take long. It, it You know, it kind of trickled off. But one of the things that we did to connect with people was we, we were uh, broadcasting YouTube live and we turned on the comments and we had people, you know, we were, we had somebody there monitoring saying, Hey, welcome. Good to see you on here. You know, communicate with us, tell us where you're from, or, you know, whatever. It may. And, and, and I think that that connected a lot of those people who were unconnected because of the pandemic and it made them feel like they were still somewhat apart of the gathering, even even though they weren't gathering, this was the way that they had to gather in that moment. So for them, it was a it was a, a great thing. Um, now that the pandemic has waned on, um, those numbers have fallen off, I, I believe, even more. But the reach of the church, I think, has grown. Mm-hmm. So you know, we began to notice that there were people from other countries. There were people from many different states across the United States. We had people mm-hmm. sending us messages 
where they heard the gospel and, and wanted to know more. And, and, and they were connected to us, you know, from Ohio or uh, Wisconsin or wh- whatever it was. And so it broadened the reach of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so more people were hearing the message, even though a lot of those people might not be our own people. Right. It was broadening the reach of the gospel. And, and so I think that to me was probably, and, and it's probably still, one of the biggest pros mm-hmm. of putting our stuff online is that our reach is broad and anybody around the world basically can tune in and, and hear the message of the gospel. We had people, we've got a lady right now. She's homebound. She, she's family. She's family of a family in our church. She lives in Oklahoma. She's there every Sunday watching online, mm-hmm. and, you know, and, um, I've got family in Montana who watch us every week. Now they got their own church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because of the time difference, they they worship with us yeah. and then go to their own church. Yeah. So it definitely is a definitely is a benefit. We could talk about a recent example too of Robbie Gallaty in in the church that he pastors uh just recently experienced this major revival, just a a, a ton of people getting right with the Lord and giving their lives to to Christ. Um, but through their online presence through that revival time, he actually had people reach out to their church from all over the world and say, we heard the gospel, we got saved, and we want to be baptized. I mean, to the point where they were saying, hey, we're going to fly in to your church. And they did. I mean, you can go listen to his podcast and other things. Where is this, brother? Um, uh, He's in Tennessee, I think it is. What's the name of the church? Uh, Oh, man, I'm drawing a blank now. Um, but he's got a podcast, uh, he's, he's very big in discipleship. Um, but this revival, you know, it wasn't just among the people there. Now I, I would say revival is, is, you know, you, you gotta be alive before you can be revived in, in a sense, but this was more of an evangelistic style thing right. that was going on, but he did have people fly in from all over the world just to be baptized at his church because that's where they heard the gospel. Now we could argue whether that's a good thing or not because it's yes, not there. there. <laughs> and, and that's for a different day because we we did touch on that not not too long ago. But um, but at the same time, the gospel got out there. Yeah. People were saved and changed. You know, we we pray radically through the through that. Yeah. Well, I, I know I know it's not church, but the Unashamed podcast, the Robertsons. You know, they do a Bible study. They've had multiple people come down there that got saved through that, and Phil's baptized them. Baptize them in a river. Praise God. It was good enough for Philip. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Baptize Ethiopian in a mud puddle. So that's all good. Blessings. Um, And we're we're grateful for the convenience of technology and the the ability that technology gives us to to reach out. Um, Truly, we won't know the results of that until the crowns are given out in eternity one day. Um, so that's, that's all good. And that's, that's a blessing. But I think where the real rubber meets the road here for us is, um, the, the dark side of this thing. And let's make a distinction before we jump into this. Obviously there is a difference between somebody who's sick, homebound, elderly, unable to physically make it to the church, even though they would be there in a heartbeat if they could versus, the person who has just substituted the online experience for their spiritual content. Um, I give you an example of that, and I'm referring back to Rainer's article here. 
In one of his points, he says, uh, number three, many who say they are now digital attendees have really dropped out. And then he continues, I was speaking to a friend recently who said she now, quote unquote, attends church digitally. She really likes being able to attend the services in her casual clothes or pajamas. I then asked her how long it had been since she viewed a service. She sheepishly admitted it had been about three months. She is representative of the new and growing group that I call the inactive digitals. So we're living now in that quasi-matrix age where <laughs> um, we're, we're all connected online um, in one way or another, but really the heartbeat of ministry, I believe, is in person, in the flesh. So how do we how do we get past this? How do we as pastors deal with it? Um, do we just accept it as the new reality? Or, um, I mean, how do we wrestle with it? I mean, I don't even think that I have any really definitive answers at this point. I think we're all kind of wrestling with it in together. But um, is the online experience, is it really, is it really church? No. I mean, and he, he even used the word attend in quotation marks there. And I, I would, I would say that the streaming experience is, was created to solve a temporary problem. Like we all expect COVID to, to come and go. And so this was a temporary solution to a, a real world problem. And, and now at this point, um, we still have people who haven't returned. And Rainer says in the article that if they haven't returned yet, they're probably not going to. So where do we go from here? Um, ben, you said it's not worship. It's not, not actually being a part of the church. Why don't you uh, take the reins on that and explain why? I think you wrote a whole blog. I've spent, or two yeah, I've spent a lot of time so on that. You've been doing so this for a while. I don't want to take up the whole time. Um, I have a lot of thoughts about this issue. Um, not one, not one necessarily point. a lot of answers, yeah, but just, I have a lot of thoughts. Yeah. Um, Why do you I, think it's not church? Let's go there. Okay, so the theological reason of why I believe watching a service online is not church is because you as a person uh, must incorporate your physical body and your physical presence along with your mind or your spirit in order to be fully involved in worship. Mm -hmm. In other words, uh, the Bible does not have a, a context for our sense of self or our, our usness <laughs> um, outside of our bodies. So the idea of, of, you know, the closest that you have to any kind of remote mental or spiritual experience would have been some of the visions that the prophets had or something like that. But the idea that I can view an image and in viewing that image, I myself am, am participating in the content of that image is that that's a modern invention. There's not a mm -hmm. biblical category for that. And I think that's why churches are having a tough time navigating it. Yeah. Um, and I, and I think the, the pro and, and we, we actually addressed some of this a long time ago for our listeners. If you go back and listen to our episode on transhumanism, uh, we actually talked many moons ago, you, but you remember one of the things yeah. that I pointed out, out in that is that live streaming is actually a, a transhumanist argument that where we are right now 
is the church is actually accelerating the timeline of transhumanist philosophy mm-hmm. because we as Christians are actually participating in this idea that our our consciousness is who we actually are and our physical bodies are not connected. And I think uh, the theological problem that I have is, is that when you say that viewing a church service that you are attending, for instance, what you're really saying is, I am not my body. Mm-hmm. And I think that that leads into a, a lot of other theological issues that we have. And I think that in our effort to try to reach people, we've actually advocated for a another worldview outside of Scripture, not knowing, unknowingly, not unknowingly. unintentionally. Right? I don't happen. I don't think most pastors just thought through this. It was just a matter of people aren't here. We yeah. want them to stay connected. How can yeah, we do necessity. that? And it wasn't the consequences. But I think now, now that study that Rainer's showing and what a lot of pastors are seeing is we're actually reaping the consequences of not thinking ahead. Uh, of the theology of what we're doing. We thought, well, the theology is in the Bible. I'm preaching the Bible, so it's theologically correct. And we didn't think about the methodology theologically, which Baptists especially have a a real big problem with. We don't apply the Bible to our methodology, and then we end up in trouble like we are now. So a lot of times in Scripture, you, you notice that if you change the method, you corrupt the meaning, right? So like baptism. If you change the method of baptism, you've corrupted the meaning of baptism. Amen. Right? Like if if you do a sprinkling, for instance, over immersion, you've changed the method, and in changing the method, you've corrupted the meaning because the meaning is death, burial, resurrection, mm-hmm. right? Um, so that's lost if you change the method. So translate that maybe over to this where... We've now created this new category of people. What did he call them? The unengaged digital, in, in, what whatever. Was it, inactive digitals. Inactive digitals. Yeah. So we've created kind of this unintentional category of people where, all right, the, the mode or the method of worship has been changed. And because of that, the meaning has been corrupted. So, you know, the Bible commands us to gather together, and the biblical context is always corporate worship, one with another. Um, and so, but now we've kind of got this third category, and some people are viewing that as this is church now, like me sitting in front of a screen in my pajamas, eating my breakfast, and you know this is my Sunday morning now. Um, and when you do that, it 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 corrupts it. Uh, y'all, would y'all agree? Yeah, yeah. I, I heard a local pastor uh, recently. He um, made a, a Facebook video, and he was talking about his particular church, his his local church, and he said that they had decided to take off all live stream. He said we we've gotten to a point now where we we've moved beyond it far enough that um, if you want to be here, you'll be here. Mm. And he said, so we're we're going to take off all of our live stream. We're not going to do Facebook live services or or anything like that. And as I was listening to him, I was I found myself, you know, mostly agreeing with his his statement, his premises, and, and and the whole works. I was thinking, well, yeah, that could be an option. I mean, and you're talking about your your uh, website, so that's the the kind of the gateway. Um, but do we have to include live stream in that? No. But could we put a video on there saying, okay, here's a representative worship service? So if you want to know what we're like, hey, here's one. It might be from two years ago, mm-hmm. but you can watch this. You can see how we sing, how we dress, how how I preach, you know, all those kinds of things. 
can we not still do that without, you know, projecting it out there? And I think it kind of comes back to what we believe the local church is, too. I mean, what is the purpose of the local church? Um, is the purpose of the local church, and I even said earlier, I mean, one of the positives was the gospel getting out there. But what really is the purpose of the local church? Is the purpose of the local church for the sake of conversions, or is it the gathered saints coming together, being edified, encouraged, challenged? You know, they're they're being sanctified through this process of singing together, praying together, um, listening to the word together, whatever it may be. What is the purpose of the local church? I mean, if the purpose of the of the local church is mainly conversions and evangelism, then yeah, I mean, put it out there everywhere. Mm. If it's mainly for the sake of the the saints, the mm-hmm. local saints in your community that are a part of your church, then why do we need to have all of this other stuff out here? Unless, like we, we, you kind of gave a prefix there that uh, you've got people who can't gather. I mean, we used to call that years ago the tape ministry and then right. the CD ministry mm-hmm. and the DVD ministry and, you know— you can still do a private YouTube and give people access, you know, to it. You can say, hey, if, if you're one of our members and you want to be a part of this, hey, we'll still live stream it to a private thing here. Um, so I think I'm, I think through all these as different options that maybe we can, you know, maybe look at and maybe even consider in, mm-hmm. in our context. Um, I don't believe personally that sitting in, in your living room, uh, watching a service is worship. Uh, and I'll give you from a personal context. Uh, during the the beginning of the pandemic, I was, you know, a part of a, a church and we were, um, you know, recording our services and then we would put them where they would come out on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock or, or whatever. And then I would be sitting at home and we've, we've pre-recorded it. So now I'm here with my wife. Well, we cut it on and, and I mean, I just didn't feel it. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and it began to help me understand when I'm thinking about my folks. What do you, right, what do they're you sitting mean there when too. you say, I didn't feel it? Like, I, I'm not worshiping in the way that you're I was mentally, together. You're not engaged emotionally. He wasn't I mean, entertained. No. Are oh, you not entertained? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it has nothing to do with any of that. <laughs> okay. I, when, when you're together with people and you're singing together, there is something There's about me hearing. Yeah other people singing with me it's encouraging that encourages yeah. me that helps me to worship if if you put somebody on the on the the, the st- uh, stage for lack of a better word you put somebody on the stage who's leading music and you can't hear them what's going to happen to the people out here they it's automatically they the, the the level comes down they're not singing because these people up front aren't singing I kind of felt like that when I was watching it online. It, it was almost mm-hmm. like I, I just I don't have somebody really leading in the same way. And then me and my wife sitting in our living room singing songs together, although it can be good for us, it, it just wasn't the same right. as worshiping with the body. So that that's an example of what I'm talking about, of corporeal worship, the idea of worshiping in right. your physical body, in the flesh. Right. Because what you're saying is, is I'm not able to use my senses to, to to be fully present in the worship of God, and so I feel right. like something is missing. Mm-hmm. 
and so uh god doesn't just call us to worship him with our with our minds only mm-hmm. but uh, uh, worship is ascribing worth to him with everything that we are with everything that we have and so chilling on the couch is not ascribing the worth that God demands in his corporate worship. Right. Like it's just, it's just, it's it, not only is it not good for us, but it's not acceptable to him as corporate <clears throat> worship. Now in your personal worship time, I'm not saying if a person's reading the Bible or praying by themselves, that that's not worship. But what I'm saying is, is all the, the one another ministry and the ordinary means of grace and all these things that uh, scripture commands cannot be accomplished by an individual person and they can't yeah, be doing point. with your mind only. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point because if yeah. you if you study through the New Testament, you're going to notice the the one another commandments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love one another, pray for one another, forgive one another, confess your sins one to another, encourage one another. I mean, on and on and on. I bear one another's burdens. Bear one, yeah, yeah, there's tons of them. Yeah. I don't know the exact number, but yeah. You read a New Testament epistle, you're going to find several of them. And well, you, think about it like this, the people at this table, but the people who watch this podcast, how many of you, when you, and you were a, I'll just say you're a committed, faithful member of the church, you're a follower of Jesus committed to your local church. How many of you felt the same way I did when, when you were watching it online, you, you just didn't, you, you didn't get into the worship mode, I guess, in a, in mm-hmm. a sense that you do when you're in the midst of everybody else. If we were honest uh, think about how many times like we've leftovers or something. Yeah. Yeah. Know? Let's think like... about how many times you've watched a, a church service online and you're like, Hey, I want to go get a refill on my coffee. <laughs> and you just get up and you go get refill like... on your coffee. And you've got all these distractions and there's clothes in the washing machine that you put in before and the buzzer goes off. There you and go. It's, like McDonald's. And and it's like McDonald's in reverse, right? Mm-hmm. You see the McDonald's commercial and you see the McDouble and the fries and you're like, that looks really good. I want to go get that. And then when you go actually get one, it's like really sad. <laughs> and then your stomach's just upset after you eat it. And you're like, this is awful. It, it's kind of like, it's kind of like that. It's like, this is not what I was expecting. It was going right. It, it looks a whole lot different than what it actually ends up being. Are right, you ready for pushback? So wait, let me add one more thing. <laughs> the, the one and other passages that we were speaking of, you can't obey those from your couch. I mean, obviously you can pray for somebody. I can pray for myself. You might be able to encourage somebody through a text or whatever. But, you know, a lot of those things are meant to be done in the context of flesh on flesh, like you are there with them. And so those who opt for just the in-person are not in full obedience. And as Dennis would say, partial obedience is still disobedience. Mm -hmm. So... You're not. You can't be fully obedient to the Word of God in that, and therefore you you can't really participate in the lifeblood of the church. Um, whereas sitting on the couch watching that, or viewing it on your phone, whatever the case may be, it it turns it into a voyeuristic experience. And what I mean by that is, um, you're just an observer mm-hmm. watching people worship, watching other people go through the motion of. Of, of the church and, and you're just observing them and there's a trick that goes on there. You think, well, because I'm, I'm viewing that, that I'm, I'm, I'm actually a part of that. But if, if you're disengaged mentally, emotionally or, or distracted or whatever, then I mean, you might as well just turn on the golden girls and watch reruns, right? Cause mm-hmm. it's not, I mean, all right, shake Go it ahead, up, Adam. Push back. I'm ready. Adam, come at me, bro. All right, you ready? Come at me. All right. <laughs> Worship is a matter of the heart. I disagree. 
and it, let me let me explain <laughs> because let, let me because I've I've wrestled with this for a year, two years, and let me preference everything I'm about to say by saying this that I believe true sanctification and and and, and the growth pattern you will meet with people. I'm not disagreeing with that. that there was some, uh, you know, there's churches out there now that have online membership, you know, uh, one church in particular. How um, does that work? So it works different ways, but it's the a way, Google form you fill well, out. Think about life church and Craig Rochelle. And I similar, mean, they started it's, out. It's that similar was, to that. But yeah. like, for example, um, like the one church, my mind just went blank with the pastor's name. He, he speaks it a lot of stuff, but anyway, um, what they do is they view it almost as satellite campuses. So in order to be a member, they have a, like a, a pastor, their church is in like Montana and they have campuses in, in uh, Florida. So what the church does is they basically, they view it as a satellite campus. Any uh, mission stuff they do, they, they help fund, Hey, we're going to go give the community whatever, and they'll fund them to go and do. And so mm -hmm. there is that one together, one another in that, because to me, that is the biggest issue with, um, that is the biggest issue with just sitting on my couch. Can I worship at home on my couch? Yes. Done it before. Um, now, will I say that it, it is, would I say that it's different? Yes, because it, kind of the, the feeling of it. But my worship isn't dictated on who I'm sitting by, right? It's who I'm worshiping, who I'm putting worth in. So I do think that a person can worship on their couch because you're the same act on your couch as what you're doing on the pew. Think about Paul and act. Silas in prison, right? Right. They were in the worst circumstance of all, and they were singing to the Lord right. so, together in their bodies. Right. True. So I'm yeah. saying like as a family, you can sit there. Where two or more are gathered. Now, there's other things I work with, like work through. So I would assume, based on what you guys have said, that you would be against, and, and I, I don't have a position on this, well, I do, but it's not strong, um, satellite campuses. Would you say you're against satellite campuses? How are you defining a satellite campus? Are you you watch the about sermon on a, on a screen? Yeah, 100% against it. Against yeah, it. I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't go for that. Okay, and that's consistency, because I've had some people say, well, no, because... Again, the worship aspect, you're you're there with people. I would even take it a step further in that. If you're in a church so large that your pastor doesn't personally know you, then you don't have a pastor. Okay, so... Let alone somebody on the screen. So I, what I guess what I'm saying is with online is that I, I believe that the church should leverage it, should leverage it as a tool. You think about um, the Billy Graham Crusades, how many people come to know Christ through Billy Graham television. Corporately in the body together. Television. I wouldn't say that. Let me, let me, well, let me finish. Um, yeah. Receive Christ watching Billy Graham. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. The now, gospel went out. that goes back to, you know, well, I don't, I can be a Christian and not go to church. You can get saved anywhere. You can get saved on your couch. You sure. Know, right. That's not corporate worship. But the, right. And I would say the maturity part, the sanctification part, you will end up with a local body of believers. That's, that's what I think. So I think the church can leverage it. Um, one of the leadership things is like a funnel. You know, you have the thousands of people that, you know, they're not engaged. Then you have the 12 like Jesus had, and then you had the inner three. Well, the whole goal is you want to create three. You want to create that inner, but so you want to continue to 
challenge people and like just like Jesus did. So I think that if you view the online as that thousands that, hey, let's get them involved. Let's get them to a point that they can use their gifts within a local body of believers um, and leverage that. But that's the million dollar question is how do you engage them when they... Well, they have no desire to really come. Well, and that and, 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 so, and when you're giving them permission to not come. When we've made, we've become the enabler of that. Well, and here's I know from our personal experience, we've had two families that have come to our church. Okay? We've got anywhere from I don't know how many people watch on Sundays anymore. But there is several who I'm pretty confident won't ever come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I'm I'm confident in that just based on stuff they've said. Um so forth and so on. Now, am I going to spend all my time begging? No, 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 no. But the people who we've engaged with and said, Hey, listen, we're doing this. You come here. Let's, they've come and engaged. So that's what I'm saying. You got to, I think if you try to throw online out, God's used that mm-hmm. in a massive way. I don't believe that you say online is church. Right. Mm-hmm. That's it. I just right. think it's a I don't think any of us are saying no. That. no. That's me, what I'm saying. You've got to view it as a stepping stone. And you don't want people to just to stay online because I would say over a period of time that isn't church. Mm-hmm. But I think that could be that initial encounter with God, encounter with the gospel that they could get saved or in engagement with your church. And we've got to find ways to leverage it. Kerry Newhoff talks, I don't agree with some of the stuff that he talks about because he would say online church is church. Um I don't agree with that. But I do think we can't just throw it to the wayside. I think we've got to learn to leverage it and use it to grow people in Christ. Because I do believe spiritual maturity, you will gather with the body of believers and use your gifts and one another you know, together. So, so that's what So I think we can agree that uh, as an evangelistic tool, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, any, any way that you can get the gospel out to people uh, is, is an advantage. We want more people to hear the gospel. Yeah. But but we're saying that that is not church. That's not corporate worship. Mm-hmm. Um, but it can be evangelism. I don't have a problem with that. But evangelism I, I is a part of the church. I would say, but it, it is, is too. And but to I do but I would say yeah. that uh, that it, it is an error to blur the lines between evangelism and a corporate worship service on Sunday morning. We've had that conversation too. I don't think the primary purpose of corporate worship is evangelism. It, it, it may be a consequence of it. But I don't think I don't think that that is the primary focus of corporate worship, which leads me back to to ask you a question for clarification, because at the beginning of that, you said that worship is a matter of the heart. Correct. Okay. Are you distinguishing the heart from your emotions? And if you are, explain what you mean by the heart when you say that it's a matter of the heart. Well, it's your focus. It's putting worth right, like 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 you guys were talking about. Like if so I you're go, saying where your mind is directed. Well, it's where, I mean, it's the same thing. If like I could come into a corporate body of believers and my mind be not, um, I won't worship because right. I'm with a body. It doesn't mean I'm going to worship. That's true, yeah. but but I would I would say that the opposite's not true though. But I think it's the same thing because you're doing the same thing. It's 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 your mind, your heart. Am I focusing all my attention that God is worth it, that Jesus is worth it? Because I've had I, I have had situations in my own life in which I've watched an online service and man, it was like I literally was like, think I mean, it was a worship experience. Uh, you know, just like I have in other places. I, it's all because of the way my heart is in relation to God. It's that vertical relationship so, in that moment. So, so what you're talking about, your heart, though, you're talking about your your the way that your mind is focused in your emotions. So tell me what worship is. 
Well, so that's the question. What does God say that worship is? And to love him with all that we are. My- well, but I mean, even more specifically, though, I, I would say that God says in the New Testament that his people are supposed to be gathering together. And so by his definition of worship, like if you look at Hebrews 10, for instance, the whole passage about not forsaking the gathering as some are doing, that specifically there is a is a command from the Holy Spirit through the writer of Hebrews of um, if you want to worship God in the way that he has decided is acceptable worship for him, you have to do it in person, corporately as the people of God. But when you say in person, explain that. Uh, I mean, the way that because God... Because Paul and Silas were straight up worshiping. Right. When I, when I say in person, what I mean is, is the way that God made you. In other words, God defines personhood as a human being that consists of a body and a soul. In other words, if you were only worshiping mentally with your mind and your emotions in a virtual experience, you are you as a person are not actually capable of worshiping because you're missing your entire body in doing that. I don't think I follow with that because you're so, so, an, so an example would be what Ray said earlier about his senses. His senses are not being incorporated in a virtual worship experience. Therefore, he as a full human being is not fully worshiping because he's not fully engaging with his body and his spirit in that act of worship. So the only way that senses are triggered is if people are around you. I would I, th- say that. I would no, but I would say that I would say that there is a necessary component to people being around you in order for worship to be what God has said is acceptable to him. It's the same thing same thing with in the old covenant with Israel. God was very specific about I've there's there's certain things. <laughs> yeah, I know. This is why I'm bringing it up. There's there there were certain things in the Old Testament that God said like listen you can't bring me just any kind of animal or just any kind of incense or a, mm-hmm. or a percentage that you think is okay like Cain and Abel like yeah yeah exactly one was acceptable Cain, one was. Cain brought a sacrifice and God God said from the very beginning that's not acceptable to me you need you need to bring me what I want okay the question is in the New Testament church what has God said that He wants so and I and I don't think the answer is a virtual experience so you're saying a person cannot worship alone i'm saying that a person can have personal worship alone they cannot have corporate worship alone and therefore it's not church it's not church right well that's right. not what we were talking about worship yeah, yeah but we're but, talking but, about what you is saying, church too but I that, mean, that's so why that's, i agreed with your statement at the end where you said i don't think that a person watching a service is church we're in agreement on that yeah. but i'm just trying to clarify that agreement you know for somebody who's listening of saying uh, if they if what they took from what you said is well in my heart if I feel like I'm in corporate worship then I really am I want to challenge that and say you as the you as the individual don't get to decide whether you're in corporate worship or not God decides whether it's corporate worship and so you have to do it it's his party and he gets to decide what kind of cake he wants at his party and I agree with you what you just distinguished corporate worship and individual I'll, I'm right what I was taking is you guys were like no you can't worship alone I'm like you absolutely no can. I'm not saying you no. can't worship alone but in the context of what we're talking about with is is live streaming and all this kind of stuff is that church is it corporate worship I think the answer is no well I would say no too. But okay. I'm saying a person can. I was saying a person can worship in yes. that setting. Personally, I mean, I, absolutely. I, I put a song yeah. on 
yeah. by myself and in the car. Fair. That's the stuff. And that actually I'm... worship so we God agree. through, through, we through but, the song. But if Ray and Absolutely. I, if Ray and I are in the same parking lot in two different cars, listening to do two different songs and worshiping personally, that's not corporate worship. Right. Uh, oh, I agree. That, that's that's the only point that I'm trying yeah. to make. Yeah. So we're and, on the same and that, page. That, that would be the same thing with the the separation between personal discipleship and corporate discipleship. There is personal right. discipleship where I'm reading my Bible, I'm studying, I'm praying, I, I'm doing all these things on a personal level, but that's not church. Right. 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 It's worship, it's personal worship, but it's not church, which means it's not corporate. So those two th- things are, are totally separate. So when we put that in the context of an online setting, you might be personally worshiping, right. but you're not doing what God has called us to do right. in the form of corporate worship. And I, we're, yeah. we're not gathering together. We're not there. You know, When he says, love the Lord your God, heart, mind, soul, strength. I mean, he's putting all of us Correct. in that. It, yeah. It's right. not just our minds. It's not just our emotions. It's all of us into that. So there's a physical presence that needs to be a part of that when we're loving one another when we're gathering together and those kinds of things. But I would also argue mm-hmm. that a person can't corporately worship if they're not individually worshiping. Well, I mean, just because you're in the room doesn't mean you're going to worship. We, with, we, would agree, we would agree that God demands both. Yes. Yeah. That we, yeah. Yeah, that yeah. he demands yeah. both. Just that's because a, you're a, there doesn't, I mean, I, believe me, right. you see people every and yeah. week. And we all know that. That are there that aren't worshiping. You can't mistake church attendance for a relationship with God. Exactly. Right. Just because right. you're physically in yeah. the building doesn't right. mean. Which is what you're saying. You you can check all the boxes and that's fine, but God sees your heart. But at the same time, God tells you to check the boxes. Right, right. (laughs) If somebody were to come up to me, and and I were at Walmart, we'll just give a friend. Somebody came up to me and said, hey, I've been a part of your your church online for six months. Man, I want to join. You know, that's great. You know, I want to do this. I want to do that. I'm going to say we need to sit down and have a talk. Sure. Because that's that's not church. You've been watching us. I'm glad that you're doing that. I'm glad that you're hearing the message. I'm glad that you're, uh, whether you're singing along or not, you're you're hearing the the music that I hope is theologically rich for you. Uh, I, I'm glad that you're a part of that. But we need to have a real conversation because no, you can't be a member just because you're watching us online and right. you consider yourself engaging with us well, in that way. It's the same we're, way. We're not going to do that. inactive membership, like. We, yes, the inactive, exact same no such, thing. There's no such right. thing. There's really no such thing. Yeah. You're either there's active a, or you're not a member. Right. There's a biblical yeah. uh, word for inactive membership. It's lost. Lost. <laughs> they've walked away. Right. They've abandoned the church is basically what John they've said, done. They went out from us because they, they were, were not of us. <laughs> well, and even the scripture says it, when it's talking about marriage, if if your spouse abandoned you, your unbelieving spouse, right. they abound, abandoned you, let them go. Right. All right, you so, know, so we we can we turn that into the church as well. I don't want to cut you off, but <laughs> no, go ahead. Just trying to be mindful for the sake of time. How we're going to land this plane right. eventually? We don't land planes. You're the host. You're in charge. <laughs> one one question, and then maybe another one. Um, since we're going so deep on these, talk to the person who has just been flaking out and chilling at home on Sunday mornings, watching the online experience. What would you say to them? as a pastor, or maybe you you don't even know them, what advice would you give them right now um, to take that next step, be obedient, and get involved in church? If you're a follower of Jesus, you're needed within his body, right? I mean, 
First Corinthians talks about the value of each part of the body. If you're, if you feel like, well, I'm not important there or whatever, the pinky toe is just as important as the mind and that type of thing. You're, you're vital to the function and the working of the church. And like I've told our church, you know, if, you know, if, if the whole foot's missing, well, the church is handicapped and not going to its full capacity. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I would say is that, you know, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are valuable to your lucky local church. And lucky church. Lucky church. <laughs> your church you're lucky. valuable. Lucky. I mean, you really are because a lot of people is like, well, they don't need me. I don't have a place, blah, 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 blah. But, and most of these people won't engage anyway. Like mm-hmm. they're not. And so that goes to true followers, but that's another topic. But that's what I would say is that the scriptures say that you're important. You're vital to what we're trying to accomplish that Jesus, the mission Jesus has put us on. So you're vital. So that's what I would yeah, say. Yeah, so the, their absence is diminishing the... The mission of the church. The, yeah. the mission and maybe even the power of yeah. what the church can do because as Ray gave the example, you know, singing in a room with two people is is maybe corporate worship, but, you know, you add the people that are supposed to be there. It's incredibly encouraging when you're surrounded by yeah. like-minded folks who are going through the same struggles you are and you're all there worshiping um, despite whatever your circumstances may be, you know, I need that because I see that this family down here is battling cancer and this family over here, man, their car broke down and, and, and these folks back here, man, they just got some bad news this week. And, and that encourages me when I see them worshiping because even though everything may be going well in my life, um, their, their lives are falling apart and yet they're ascribing worth to God. And um, that, that's a lesson for me. It's also a lesson for my kids. Mm-hmm. My kids need to be there, and they need to to see what church is about and what worship is about. Um, so, you know, if you're a parent and and you've made that decision to keep your your kids out, um, and and thinking that you know you you're okay because you're watching it in the living room, and you're gonna have to stand before God one day and mm-hmm. give an account for how you and don't come to us in 18 years and say, "Why is my kid off the yeah, rails?" You're gonna have to give an account for how you um, raised your kids and well, and you deprived them of that. Um, on this false idea of what church is. Then. And that's what I would say. I mean, I would definitely agree with what Adam said about, you know, uh, God has g- given you gifts that he hasn't given to other people in the mm-hmm. church, and you're robbing the church and robbing God of of uh, what he requires to fulfill his mission for that local church when you're not there. But also, like what you were saying, Derek, not just for kids, but we're all going to have to give an account. And, and, and I think sometimes we don't talk about that as much because we're like, you know, well, I'm saved. So I know I'm going to heaven. That's true. But Paul's very clear that there's a reward system after that. Wood, hay and stubble or gold, silver and precious stone. So are are you going to go to heaven? Yeah. I mean, uh, the new Testament says some people are going to get in their ass through flames, you know, like smell. Yeah. I mean, you might, yeah, you might roll in smelling smoky and, and barely squeak in. I don't know about y'all, but that's not how I want to come in. Right. And, and so who's with you, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. But not only that, but it's just like, where's, where's God getting his glory from that Mm -hmm. of like, you know, I mean, that's like the parable of the talents. Hey, I got everything you gave me. I did, I did the bare, I did the bare minimum. I put my talent in the ground. Isn't that enough? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I did with what you gave me. That's not enough for God. And it's clear in that parable that that's not acceptable to God. And so, uh, you have been commanded, Christian, to gather together in worship, and not just to be physically present, but to be engaged yep. to to ascribe God to your worth. I mean, and and that's where the all this 
uh, different means of grace and things come in. It's the same thing. Uh, uh, acceptable worship is gathering, participating, giving your money, which nobody wants to talk about, but that's acceptable worship to God. Mm-hmm. All money, so, so that He can, so that He can uh, uh, accomplish the purpose. Right? That's the means that He uses. You know, and we talked about that with the Malachi three thing. Don't rob God of His money. Don't rob God of your presence. Don't rob God of the spiritual gifts that He's given you that that are for the church for the edification of the church, and. Not and not to be harsh with people, but we have to hold people accountable, especially as pastors of shepherding. Of it's not good for your soul for you to not be in church on Sunday morning. Amen. It's not good, even for those who are homebound. We understand there's situations where people can't, and I get that. It's not good for their soul either. Mm-mm. They don't get a free pass on that. Now there's grace because of, because they are providentially hindered. They are in a situation that God has allowed in their life. But it's still not good for them. It would still be much better for them to be in corporate worship. And so, uh, you know, w- exactly what you were saying, Derek, of like witnessing people, bearing one another's burdens. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have I have sweet memories of a lady. She's homebound now in our church. But when she wasn't, would roll in 10 minutes late to service, roll in with an oxygen tank in the middle of the service, and sit in the pew across from me, and I can hear a five-year-old singing, and I hear this woman raising her hand, trying to praise God while she's on oxygen. She has every excuse in the world to not uh, be there. Yeah, mm-hmm. she had every excuse to not be there. But it, but for her, it was a matter of even if I die because I tried to come in here and sing on oxygen, I'd rather die singing to Jesus than I would sitting at home not doing anything for Him. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, that's the kind of people that we need in this day. Uh, is the ones that are willing to make sacrifices. And, and for one another. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. I, 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 we've built at our church, the culture is like, we're a family. You know, in Acts right. 2, it says they gave as they knew anyone had need. Well, if you don't talk to people, if you're not in relationship with people, you're right. not going to know if anybody has any needs. Right. And, and so and when don't expect your pastor to know everything no, either. Right. Because no. um, we're not mind readers. It is no. impossible for me to keep up. You know, so I've got 100 people in my church. Um it's impossible for me to keep up. That ratio is, I can't do that. And if you're disconnected from the body, um, I I can maybe text you or or call you every once in a while, but I can't be involved in what's going on in your life. And, Mm -hmm. you know, unfortunately you have the church member who does get disconnected and they get sick or something happens. And I don't know about that. Mm. And then they get their nose all bent out of shape because, well, nobody from the church called me or contacted me. Well, you kind we didn't of, even know you were alive. We, yeah, you dropped out. Well, let so, me ask you all this, and, and this is something that I've wrestled with personally as in pastoral, pastor, and I heard this a long time ago, um, to never beg someone to come to church. And so people, I, I will make contact, and you know, but once I kind of get the sit, feel of they're mm-hmm. not coming back, I'm not going to sit there and just spend, how can I get them back? How can I get them back? How, oh, my gosh. Uh, is that wrong? I don't think you ever see Jesus getting down on his hands and knees begging anybody to follow him. I mean, he let the rich young ruler go. He told his disciples, you know, you go through, you share the gospel, you do the best you can. But if they don't receive, if they don't receive this word, if they don't repent, if they don't turn from their ways, he he tells them once they get to the other side of the city, kick the dust off your feet and keep moving. Um, So I think there there is a a time where we have to keep moving because we can end up spending more time seeking out those who don't care anything about us. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean just personally, but I mean the church as a whole. We can spend more time worrying about them yeah. than we can caring for those that are actually a part right. of the church. Yeah. 
That's a good and, point. And that kind of goes back, like your question, you said, what would you say to that, that person who, who's just decided to sit at home? I would say, first, we love you. You know, we, we care about your eternal soul. We care about your personal discipleship. We care about your corporate discipleship. But we can't care for you. We can't even do what we've been called to do necessarily if you're disconnected, if you're sitting at home, if, if you're not a part of what's going on. But at the same time, God has gifted you. Uh, ben mentioned it earlier. He's gifted you with spiritual gifts. I would even say uh, physical gifts in a lot of cases. He's gifted you in certain ways to be able to serve in the church. And our churches are hurting. There's not a single pastor here that would say that they've got every position that they need filled. <laughs> every volunteer you know, position has been taken care of. Or that ministry, we don't have more ministry that we can do. No, we've mm -hmm. got so much that God has called us to do and so much more. And, and his church is going to do something different than my church is going to do, that Ben's church is going to do, so forth and so on. But God's gifted you in a particular way. If you're a follower of Jesus, he's gifted you in a particular way to serve his church. And you sitting at home is not fulfilling that. It's not good and, stewardship. And, and you're going to have to answer for that. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, we've got to answer for that because we're called mm -hmm. to to take care of the flock that is among us, to shepherd the people. And we can't shepherd you either with you being disconnected. And so we need you back. God's church needs you back uh, in the building, a part of the process. Um, we we love you. We care for you. Um, but if you have decided that, hey, I'm, I'm just disconnected, do the, the good, wise, and beneficial thing and let your pastor know. <laughs> I mean, be honest. Just, right. just let your pastor right. know, look, I don't intend on coming back. I don't intend on serving. I would respect you far more from telling me that than just disappearing and sitting on your couch and, and claiming to worship God uh, as a part of our church. Let us know. That way we can focus our efforts on other people who do want to be a part of it and ministries that we have going on within our church. That's all good stuff. One more question, and we'll wrap it up. So it's pretty obvious that um, we've entered into a new era in terms of the church wrestling with this technology thing and in-person worship versus digital experience. I don't think that's going anywhere unless the Lord comes back this evening, which would be all right with me. But the question is, I know none of us have a crystal ball, so we don't know what tomorrow holds necessarily. What what do we, what does this mean for the future of the church? Where what's the outlook? Um, and I know the way that the world is so unstable now, it's hard to look a year, two years, the five years down the road. But um, how do we grapple with this going forward? Um, it's not going anywhere. Um, this is this is where we are. So, what do you guys think? I personally, I want to take the glass half full. I think the church is going to grow from it mm -hmm. because more people are hearing the gospel than they were five years ago, mm -hmm. probably before the technology. So more people are hearing God's word. So I have to believe, you know, through the sanctification and the spirit and all that, that people, that people are going to engage to the church because the spirit's going to lead them to that because as we've said, it's scriptural. So I, I personally take a view that we have far greater reach than we've ever had before. 
And um, so I, I take it as it's going to be good for the church. Are there going to be downsides? Sure. But it's the same downsides that we're facing now. Mm-hmm. So I, I do believe that it's going to be beneficial for the church and the kingdom of God just because of the reach that just our little churches have. I mean, let's be real. We've got mm-hmm. more reach than we've ever had. Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to be a good thing personally. There's going to be bad, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah, we, we've, we've acknowledged both of those. Yeah. So anybody else? Where do you think it's going? I see um, two, two trajectories of churches. Uh, one of them is going to uh, continue to try to use uh, technology and incorporate that with their methodology. I think, I think the end result is they're going to end up compromising too much along the way. And, and fizzling out or just becoming kind of like the mainline Protestant denominations have now. Like they have some buildings and stuff that are still up and they've got some money that keep people going, but uh, there's no spiritual life. There's no evangelism. It's They're just kind of dying a slow uh, death until the mm-hmm. bank account runs dry. I think that's one trajectory that we're going to see happen. I think the other trajectory is actually going to be um, churches that uh, – <laughs> I could say are reforming. I don't mean that in the sense that some people would think, but are looking at historic Christianity and the, maybe revitalizing, um, revitalizing, but but not in the sense of what other people would think about that. I, I think the churches that that are going to become more simplistic, more traditional, and more historically rooted will actually survive longer than the ones that are trying to use technology. I, I think like the pastors that are turning off the live stream. And the the churches that are uh, actually increasing liturgy and things like that, I think those are actually going to be the ones that survive and not the other way around. Be- because those are predictable, stable, tried and true. Like why uh, why would that work? Um, well, we could we we could do this on my next. Just, episode, just the historical argument. Like um, look, at this has worked over time, and this is. Uh, I think you can make an argument without trying to go too far in this. I think you can make an argument that, uh, in a way, the fruit in the garden was technology, because the purpose of technology is is uh, its craftsmanship that human or humans are using to solve their problems, and so the temptation in the garden was: if you eat this fruit, it will give you autonomy. It will make you like God. It, it will essentially do things for you that you don't have to do for yourself. So it offers you freedom and autonomy. And all technology does that. The tools that we use, the phones that we use, the internet, all these things do things for us so that we don't have to do them for ourselves. And so it's just an extension of man's desire to have autonomy. And so I think, can it be used in in good ways? Sure it can. But I think more often than not, we're just playing with fire. And I think the churches, a lot of the churches that play with fire too much are going to get burned. Mm -hmm. The churches with the satellite campuses, the churches with the live stream, the churches with the online membership. It's cool right now, Mm -hmm. but but I think time is going to bear out that they're going to get burned playing with that stuff. I think the churches that are saying, we're going to stick with the stuff that for the last 2,000 years plus... Um, that the church has been able to do just the normal, ordinary services, ordinary type preaching, ordinary discipleship, 
um, just the the plainness of it, I think that is going to be able to endure because it's not affected by technology. It's it's directly comes from revelation and that that theology. I think this is also why you're seeing a, re, a resurgence in the reform movement. One of the reasons why is because it's a rejection of autonomy. It, it the more that human beings say, I'm just going to submit myself to God and what He wants, and my choice doesn't matter as much the more rooted and secure they're becoming when everything else is kind of transitional. So, so I think, I think you have some churches that are leaning into that autonomy of like, Hey, do you want more freedom of choice of where you can be on Sunday morning? Let's use this technology to do that. I think the more that we feed that, the more we're ending up with the fruit that we have of this radical autonomy of things like transgenderism, things like uh, transhumanism, things like, you know, all these other things are kind of uh, sparing from that. So I think, I think the the solution for churches is actually to simplify more and basically get get back to the basics of Christianity and focus on what has God promised that he's going to work in and let's just do that and let God do the work and stop trying to make everything easier and more efficient mm-hmm. while using microphones. <laughs> right. And lights. Yeah. Right. And so, like I said, yeah. it's not all bad, but it is playing with fire. I mean, let's yeah. let's let's be real. Even with us doing this, there's temptation. We're we're not in a situation right now where we have millions of people listening. But if we did, there would be a, a great temptation there to to use that in a way that's unfruitful or the pulpit. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact is, is if our churches blew up to five hundred or thousand people overnight, the temptation would be very very great there. Uh, of whether we would have the character or not to be able to stay faithful in those circumstances. I, I see a distinction somewhat like Ben is talking. I see going back to what you said earlier about leveraging uh, technology. I do think that we need to leverage technology to, to a degree in the sense of it, it's not going anywhere. So, you know, we just need to understand that it, it, it's here to stay and there is a reach that we otherwise wouldn't have. And I think that the churches who leverage it in the right way will see some benefit from it. Um, those who try to go the, the metaverse way, the, the AI way, the, the ones that are trying to move towards that thing where uh, you could be a part of the church online and, and those kinds of things, I think eventually that's going to implode. Um, I, I think what they're going to find out is they've got a, a, a ton of people who claim to be a member of their church online, um, and they're going to pour resources into it, but they're not getting any real um, return. And, and I don't mean that in a money way. I'm just talking about worship and everything else that the church is supposed to be. You're not going to get any return for it. Eventually, that is going to implode is the way I look at it. So if, if you use it for the, the benefits that can be there for the sake of evangelism, I mean, if we're trying to get the word out there, it's a great means to do that, it, to, to get the word out there. But I would say personally, as a local church pastor, if I saw our church, now we're very fortunate now. I mean, we're seeing growth, you know, more coming and being a part of what's going on. But if I saw that because of technology that we're we're going backwards, instead we've got more people sitting at home, we've got more people unengaged, all that kind of stuff because of technology, I'd be the first one to pull the plug. I'd say, all right, we're, we're done. 
No more putting anything online. I mean, unless it's putting Bible verses out there or something, which is something I personally do, uh, you know, every morning. Um, other than that, I would say I, I, I'm going to pull the plug because there's no way that that is a substitute for the gathering of the church. Mm -hmm. it, it just can't be. And so w if we get to that point, which I think that's where we're headed with technology these days, I think that if you completely buy in to that idea of technology and its greatness when it comes to the church, what we're leading to mm -hmm. is is the church falling apart at the seams because we're no longer going to really have a church. Well, I, the only, my pushback on both, and I, I hear what y'all are saying, but if you preach the word, I, I have to believe the Spirit's going to use it. I have to like, and, and that's what I'm saying with the Billy, like when we said, well, people are hearing it and we're, I have to believe the spirit's going to work. I have to. And the people who are going to come to Christ are going to come to Christ. They're going to grow in Christ, not because of my necessarily methodology, but preaching the gospel and preaching mm -hmm. Jesus. And, and I look at him as the change agent. I mean, I know we can get into methodology, but I, I view him as, and I know you guys do too. Um, but that that's kind of my view. But the, you're talking about evangelism. I was going to say, you're talking about evangelism. But I think we agree same, on that. Right, but I think even in discipleship, like people could watch this and learn. That's the reason we're doing it, right? That's the whole reason we're doing this is to have these discussions for people to learn. I thought people just wanted to hear us talk. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, that's what I'm saying. They just wanted even, to see Ben's doing beautiful this. face over here. Right, yeah. and even yeah. even like mm -hmm. this Sunday, I preached on our actions. If if somebody come to know Christ and they're watching that and they're like, my actions, and, and they you know learn that type of, I'm just saying that discipleship's even possible. Again, I'm not substituting it. Eventually, they should get there. Mm -hmm. But that's, I just think that God's word is, is powerful. We all agree on that. And that's why I'm saying the broader we can get, as long as we're preaching the word. Now, where compromise would come through isn't through technology. I think it would be through not preaching. The but word. you're not substituting. I think we're saying the same things. You're not substituting that online experience for the church. No. Okay, so then we yeah, all as far agree. As evangelism, we're on the I same mean, page. But like, we, look, we agree with those things. You can learn from watching somebody on TV, online, whatever. It is. You can hear the gospel and be saved right. through, through that. I believe all of those things, but the question that we were talking about or what he asked there, where do you see the future of the church? And I think that we see many churches who are going all in on technology are going more so to a virtual church than they are a real church, mm -hmm. a real local community church. Um, and so I don't think either one of us would advocate that, that we're going to no, do that with but, our church. But I would say, and again, I would go, if a church goes all in on technology, the metaverse, I would say, just preach the word. God's, God's going God's gonna to work that out just preach the word. Like I wouldn't do the metaverse. I mean, I get why they're doing it, but I wouldn't do it. But what's the purpose? So it's here's just my another, thing. If I'm preaching the gospel it's just for the sake avenue. of people getting saved, right? my second point is people getting connected. Right. Discipleship. All right. Billy Graham wrote in, in his uh, autobiography. I can't remember which one it was. Yep. Too. Yeah. But think about it like this. Television when he first radio. started doing crusades, he did not connect anybody to a local church. Right. He says that was his biggest mistake mm -hmm. ever. Yeah. And so he changed. And that, yeah. I think it was, 
I don't know, 57 or something. I don't remember what the year was. With churches. And so right. what he did was he employed his organization to reach out to those areas way before the crusade ever stepped foot in there and said, we need representation from all of these, what he hoped were Bible-believing churches. Right. We want them to be our counselors, and we want to connect them with the local church. Right. The thing is, is we're hoping that that's going to happen. Right. But we're really not taking the steps to connect them, and, and neither are these churches that are, you know, claiming to have virtual worship services and virtual churches. They're like, no, come to us, come to us, come to us, and here's the online giving link, and, you know, hey, get, send a comment letting us know you're here. But that's not church, once again. I mean, we, we can say that's good that the Word's getting out there, but to fulfill what God has called us to do— you know, he says we should go into all the world making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Holy Spirit. And then you look at the church, and it's a corporate thing. I think we're just missing the boat when you're a, a virtual church. I think, what I'm saying. I think we would all agree that uh, virtual evangelism is okay. Yes. We're just disagreeing on, or well, I think we all agree that virtual corporate worship is not okay. Correct. So, if so we're on the, the same only, page. If like, that's like, the only, like honestly, that... like if a dude came up to me in my church and was like, "Hey, I'm in the tech world. I have access to the metaverse, and I'm heavily involved in it. I want to be a missionary to the metaverse and preach the gospel to people in the metaverse." I'm like, I, I would be down with that. I would be totally fine with that. Um, uh, um, Life Church, uh, when they opened their second Life campus, Second Life was metaverse before metaverse was a thing. When they open their campus there, I visited there. I I went there on Sunday mornings at one time, if that shows you how different my theology is now. Um, but they had a campus pastor on staff that was in their virtual facility that was available there to pray with people and talk with people and that kind of thing. Now, they simulcasted the service, and they had their coffee shop and the whole deal. And, and so it was very kind of novelty. I wouldn't consider that corporate worship now, but the idea of that guy being there of saying, if somebody wants to talk with me about the gospel or I'm available to pray with people, talk to people, I'm totally fine with yeah. that. I don't have an issue with that. With like, so for instance, the videos that we're doing, our church is starting to starting to come out with like video series content and things like that. Aside from just sermons, just to try to put out there. We just consider that digital outreach. It's the same. It, it's the modern equivalent of going out on the street and straight preaching, right. which we do that too. But you know, uh, just like we said, how they find your website and not that not from driving by the church, but from looking online, it's the same thing with the gospel. If you're putting the gospel out online through your church, you can do evangelism that way. But and I think what you're getting at, Adam, which we're all on the same page is, is yeah, you can do evangelism that way. But once you do become a Christian, you can't stay there. No, You've got, right. you have to get right. into a local church. I'm saying yeah. that put all the hooks out biblical hooks out there right. as possible but mm -hmm. the goal is is not mm -hmm. to stay there right that's yeah. you know that's all i've said well, this yeah. has been good meaty discussion we hope that it's helped you as you've been watching or listening so to kind of summarize everything and bring it together um what i'm taking away from this number one is that um, we cannot put all of our eggs in one basket and um, that being the basket of technology it will not solve all of our problems it will not create the spiritual utopia that we think it will. Uh, and so we need to be very wise um, and shrewd about how that we handle technology and um, recognize that uh, there is no silver bullet when it comes to doing the spiritual work and that it will give us blessings, but at the same time, there's a dark side. There's a curse to that as well. Um, and, and we're seeing that. We're living in that. 
The second thing that I'm taking away from this is that um, while our methodology may change, uh, there are some things that are never going to change. Um, our, we're not going to compromise on the Word of God. We're not going to compromise on our doctrine. And so um, the churches that I, I think are going to see the problems come up are those churches who um, begin to compromise on those things. And um, the, the third thing that I, I, I wrap up with is um, we're living in a time where the rate of change is so fast. Um, our world is changing so much every single week, it seems like. Um, it's not the world of the 1980s even. Mm-hmm. Um, but so the accelerated rate of change is so um, apparent right now that Going forward with the technology thing, pastors are going to constantly have to be evaluating and reevaluating the world that they're in and the methodology that they're using, the pluses and minuses that come along with that. So um, for churches as well, they're going to have to be constantly on their toes um, and and being willing to be flexible and change on some of these things, um, but also recognizing the dangers with that and that um, you know technology is this mixed bag of good and bad. And if we leverage it the right way for a short season, we may see a benefit from it, but ultimately we're going to stay with our tried and true methods. Um, that being preaching the word of God, evangelism, discipleship, corporate worship, follow the old paths, the old paths, brother. Um, so I hope that that, um, encapsulates everything. We've had good time. Um, I don't know if you have or not, maybe if you're still watching at this point, um, you're trying to see if you're an insomniac and you're just having trouble going to sleep at night. Off by accident. Oh, it's been good. <laughs> Sorry, it's if you been commented. real. So that means it's been real good. And I guess we will see you next time, Lord willing. You can continue the conversation online by visiting us on Facebook at facebook.com/slash/the number four horsemen. Don't forget to tell your friends and enemies about the podcast, and be sure to subscribe and review.